Hello and welcome to Philanthropy Australia's Provocations podcast. I'm Nick Richardson. My special guest is Michael Liffman, and this will be our final uh, podcast for the year 2019. Hope you've enjoyed the previous two. So we'll be resuming our podcasts early in the new year, so hopefully you can be listening out for those. Michael Liffman, welcome. Hi, Nick. So today we're going to talk about a couple of recent developments in Australian philanthropy, which will become the platform for a broader discussion about the culture of giving and the notions of generosity and where Australia sits in the overall scheme of philanthropic culture. So let's begin with one of those, Michael. Uh, Ten days ago, uh, it was announced that James and Diana Ramsey, two uh, um, South Australian philanthropists, uh, had left a bequest to the Art Gallery of South Australia that is worth $38 million. It's possibly the largest cultural gift in the nation's history. And it, although it was inspired by the Felton bequest, which has obviously been integral to the collection at the National Gallery of Victoria, it probably, in real terms, may well outstrip the bequest in, in that value. The interesting thing about it is, obviously, its size, but secondly, there's been so little discussion about it in the mainstream. Do you have a particular view about why that would be? Are we actually reached a point where, because it's the arts, these things, these donations, this philanthropic gesture is actually not regarded in some ways as as valuable as other philanthropic gifts? It's certainly an extraordinary gift and extraordinarily generous and it's very focused and it's focused on an institution which is not uppermost in people's awareness of our, of our most significant cultural institutions. Um, whether that's the reason, whether it is that there's... Um, it's, whether there is some sort of community scepticism or lack of enthusiasm for gifts of that scale, I, I really don't know. But it is striking, I think, that it came more or less at the same time that we're going through... Um, the bushfire crisis and the anxiety about climate change. And if I can anticipate the other donation that I think you're going to draw attention to, it's the one that was made to, um, I think, a, a koala saving um, the hospital that was trying to rescue koalas that had been um, injured in the bushfires. And the extraordinary thing about that one, I think, is that it was seeking to raise $25,000 and it raised over a million. Um, and there is an interesting... Contrast, isn't there, between those two? There is. So what sense do we make of that contrast? Are we, are we more interested in flora and fauna than we, than we are in uh, high culture, or is something else going on? Well, I think there is. A, Australians, I think, have always been very generous with regard to disasters and, and, and catastrophes and immediately um, humanitarian sorts of issues, whether it's the Bali bombing and so on. So I think that's part of it. But it, it does take me back to, a, if I could sort of loop around a bit, to um, an issue which people have often asked about the difference between Australian or possibly you know, British philanthropy and American philanthropy. And this was a, a fairly constant um, issue for discussion in the classes I used to take. And the differences are significant, not only in scale, because American philanthropy is uh, 
seemingly more generous than, than British philanthropy, which we would assume is our tradition, uh, but it's also somewhat different in its focus. And I think people would say, where does Australia stand in, 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 in between these two and which is the preferable? And if I could mm. expand on that just a mm. little bit, um, the notion has emerged by some researchers that American philanthropy is characterised by generosity and Australian philanthropy by altruism. Now, what lies behind those two ideas? The notion is that American philanthropy is has a particular character which reflects American's origin as a, as a pioneer society and escape from the reach of government, and it is philanthropy which people are very willing to tie to their own personal identity, their ambitions, their place in society, the institutions that have formed them or that they wish to be associated with, so that they make very public donations, um, in a sense quite explicitly a little bit self-interested because they relate to their own organisations and their own networks. British philanthropy, by contrast, is often described as being altruism. Small donations uh, to lots of organisations, uh, but organisations that have no particular connection with people's own identity or lives. So in British, in Britain, the donations are more typically to the Red Cross or to World Vision or, or, or whatever. Um, I just want to pick yeah, up on sure. something there because I think one of the interesting things about that, Carl Zinmeister, who came out to Philanthropy Australia's uh, summit in Canberra uh, only a couple of months ago, he's Vice President of the Philanthropy Roundtable in the US, he said to me the thing that concerned him about current US philanthropy is that because a lot of it was connected with religion and religious belief, which goes to your point about how personal um, the American philanthropy practice is, uh, with a declining commitment to uh, those religious values and conventional church observance, the amount of um, overall US philanthropic activity had started to decline. So I wonder if because of that personal connection, and this is a question without notice mm -hmm. to you, uh, I, I wonder without that personal connection that in a way that the American model of philanthropy is in perhaps some ways less robust than the UK example or indeed where we are in terms of that. It may well be, but I think the other dynamic in all of this which we um, really need to understand is social media and the new forms of philanthropy which arise out of click philanthropy where you simply immediately see something that pops up on your screen and quite impulsively possibly you'll make that donation. Um, so the menu of opportunities that are before people um, and the capacity to make it an immediate decision is I think so different from what it was even 15 years ago that uh, I suspect we're in fairly uncharted territory. Things like possible crowdfunding and so these didn't exist 15 or 20 no. years ago. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because, you know, in the old days you might be in a, in a hotel at quarter to six on a Friday night and the Salvation Army would come by with a war cry and mm. you'd kind of spontaneously donate or not. Um, but there was no receipts or anything like that. It was, it was basically a, a, you know, however you felt at the particular time. Do you detect that kind of instinctive response through that social media giving? 
I think if I were to ask that question of my children, for instance, who are in their 30s, um, they would immediately say, yes, that's the way they do their giving. I doubt that they ever um, open something that comes in the mail or respond to someone who's, um, who they meet in the pub or on the street. I think their giving is very much social media shaped. And I, th I suspect that's a huge factor, which um, alongside the decline in faith and and the other factor probably is that we now, I think, are responding to global causes. Um, the anxiety that people have about global... Um, climate change is something that affects everyone. Um, a generation ago, if we were concerned about poverty, that probably wasn't an issue that affected us. So we were able to give or decide not to give on the basis that this is not affecting us, but it's something that we might choose to do because it helps others. Now I think we are terribly aware that there are issues that will affect everyone, rich or poor, whatever part of the world, whatever their politics are, we will all be affected, for instance, by um, climate change. So I think that possibly also shapes people's giving. So one practical consequence of that social media giving and that spontaneous commitment and, and all of that is how reliable a picture does that help us shape around the national picture of philanthropic activity, does it capture it reliably? Because we, we do every year get data about how Australians give and how much they give. Does that kind of uh, instinctive giving, is it going to be reflected in those figures? I'm not a, um, an IT person, but um, I suspect that it'll make it very hard. I mean, I th I've always, frankly, been sceptical about some of this data, which is in no way criticising the people of the institutions that collect it. It's just the nature of the data and the forms of disclosing that data. But um, I think it's going to be very hard to, to capture a real sense of philanthropy. And indeed, the definitions of philanthropy are expanding. So we have impact investing and, and so on. And the, it's, it's philanthropy in the sense of people making donations, to an identified person or institution in an established way and getting documented, that's all, I think, very much um, in, in, in a much more complicated mix these days. Okay, so let's return to our, our starting point about the high-end art and the koalas. Are we going to see more of one and less of the other, as far as you can tell, as we go forward? Well, possibly what's happening here is, is um, in a sense, confirming um, the notion of the difference between American giving and, and British and, and, by extension, maybe Australian giving, which is that maybe, and it is very much speculative, but maybe wealthy people um, who, are, who have the capacity and indeed have come to success because of having a focus on their business life or whatever, um, that focus extends into their giving so that they give to major institutions that they have some serious connection with, that they can observe, they can possibly join the board or track what's being done. Whereas the, the ordinary household giver um, doesn't have those sort necessarily that sort of focus or that sort of capacity to give at a level which will make a, a strategic impact and therefore they give to causes that they believe in or that they have a, 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 some sort of feeling about and give out of genuine good conscience because they want to help. So maybe we have the, the British, it's no longer the British model, but the British base model applying at the household level and the American model f uh, applying at the wealthy level. This is terribly speculative, I know. 
Well, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you mentioned climate change and obviously there's, and you also mentioned earlier about Australians' generosity, especially with nat- natural disasters. And clearly the drought in this country is a and bushfires are clearly uh, in many ways linked, uh, whether it be in an environmental sense or indeed in a, in a giving sense. So by donating to both of those causes or either of those causes, are we also thinking about it in terms of climate change or are we actually very much that practical response of someone has lost a house, I want to help that community rebuild? I suspect it's the latter, but I guess one would have to look at the organisations that are, well, GetUp, for instance, which is mm. uh, trying to direct its activities at the causes of climate change and, and preventing climate change rather than at the casualties of it. Um, they seem to get support, but um, it's probably not the household support. It's probably support from a much more limited and politically active segment of the community. And I think, um, I think it's the direct assistance to people in need that's always going to be the, the most effective recipient of support in the Australian community. I think the, um, the whole idea of philanthropy and activism is a topic for another podcast. Thank you very much for your attendance and cooperation and involvement in your own podcast, Michael, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again next year. Thank you, Nick. Happy New Year. Season's greetings to everyone. Indeed. Thank you very much, Michael.